Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. That's a movement from El Nino, a modern-day oratorio by John Adams. The movement was When Herod Heard. We heard Willard White, the baritone soloist, and he was performing with the Deutsche Symphony Orchestra Berlin, Kent Nagano conducting. We also heard the Theater of Voices and London Voices there in the background. It's beautiful music by John Adams, music on a sacred theme. In fact, as I said, it is a modern-day oratorio. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead, and the subject of today's show is the modern-day oratorio. Might sound like a bit of a misnomer, the modern-day oratorio. We think right away of Handel's Messiah, or we think of Haydn's creation, but there are still composers writing in the oratorio form. This idea of basically an unstaged opera came around in the 17th century in Italy when there was a prescription against any kind of staged works, especially opera during the Lenten season. But, as you may know, Italian audiences are always very hungry for opera, and so some gifted impresario or other had the idea of performing unstaged operas, so the performers are not costumed, nor are they acting out anything that's being said in the story. Instead, it is a concert version of an opera. Because they were usually performed during the Lenten season, there was often a religious association with oratorios. Again, think of the Haydn or the Handel. But in later days, composers started to broaden the different kinds of themes that attracted them, and we now do have some secular oratorios. 
So on today's program, I'll be sampling a wide variety of modern-day oratorios for you, from the John Adams, a very spiritual piece, El Nino, to a more secular oratorio on the life of English naturalist Charles Darwin, and everything in between. I do think, though, that this idea of spirituality or religious intensity still infuses the oratorio form. There's a reason that a composer chooses to write this as an oratorio. So even if it's a secular theme, there's still a kind of dramatic intensity and a, a very, very intense personal vision of the composer that causes him or her to choose to write in the oratorio form. Let's hear part of a piece now called Adam's Lament. So the large-scale oratorio from 2009 by Estonian composer Arvo Pert, scored for choir and orchestra. It's a setting of the words of St. Silwan, who is a Russian Orthodox monk. It's supposed to represent the fallen Adam, and Arvo Pert himself has said that it represents humankind in its entirety and each individual person alike. So here we have the story of the fall of humankind from grace, filtered through the words of a Russian ascetic monk, St. Silwan. Let's have a listen to the opening of Adam's Lament, and as much as we can fit in. This is by Arvo Pert, and we'll be hearing the Latvian Radio Choir with Vox Clementis and Sinfonietta Riga, conducted by Tonu Kaljuste.
I hate to fade that down. It's such beautiful music, especially when the choir comes back in there singing those should be dissonant sevens, but I think they sound very, very beautiful. Music by Arvo Pert from his oratorio, Adam's Lament. It's a large scale piece for orchestra and choir, about 25 minutes long, so we can't play the whole thing. But what a wonderful addition to the oratorio form. We heard the Sinfonietta Riga, the Latvian radio choir, Vox Clementis, Antonio Caliusta was the conductor. Talking about the modern-day oratorio today on Relevant Tones, I want to turn to a very, very interesting piece by Finnish composer Kaya Sariaho. This is called The Passion of Simone. And here she's referring to French philosopher, Christian mystic, and political activist Simone Weil, who was hugely influential on the composer. In fact, I'm going to read from the program notes here by Sariaho, in which she says, I've been reading Simone Weil's writings since my youth. The finished translation of her book, Gravity and Grace, was one of the few things I packed into my suitcase when I traveled to Germany in 1981 to continue my music studies. The combination of Weil's severe asceticism and her passionate quest for truth has appealed to me ever since I first read her thoughts. The passion consists of 15 stations. The idea for the form of the text and the entire work came from the passion play tradition. The outer form is, however, the only similarity to the traditional oratorio, at least in my opinion. The 15 movements are different in character and structure, and they shed light on different moments in Simone Weil's life and interpret some of her ideas. The soprano has the crucial role of the narrator. Weil's own texts are presented in the electronics surrounding the audience. The choir and orchestra create the world in which live both the soprano part and the spoken words in the electronics part. Let's have a listen to three of the movements or three of the stations of The Passion of Simone. Station two, station nine, and the final station. This is the Finnish Radio Symphony Orchestra and Tapiola Chamber Choir, Esa Pekasalin in conducting, with the great Don Upshaw, soprano soloist. <laughs>
ce qui existe n'est absolument digne d'amour. Il faut donc aimer ce qui n'existe pas.
three movements from The Passion of Simone. We heard Station 2, Station 9, and then the final station. What a beautiful ending to that piece. It's music by Kaya Sariaho from her oratorio, The Passion of Simone. We heard the Finnish Radio Symphony Orchestra and Tapiola Chamber Choir, Essa Pekka in conducting, and Dawn Upshaw is the wonderful soprano. Again, the story of Simone Weil, and we also hear her own words. Simone Weil was a Christian mystic and an ascetic and somebody who was very influential on Kaya Sariaho in her thinking, especially this passionate search for truth. So I said that the oratorio has oftentimes religious themes, but for me, this oratorio is so interesting because it's not necessarily religious, yet it's cast within a religious mold. There are 15 stations, as there are 15 stations of the cross. And there is the story of a woman who is a Christian mystic conflated with the idea of a passion. Wonderful piece by Kaya Sariaho, and a very interesting example of the modern oratorio. You are listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. Today, my subject is the modern-day oratorio, and all the various and sundry things that composers are doing with this interesting form today. For a streaming version of this episode and all previous episodes, you can visit our website at relevanttones.com. I'm featuring modern-day oratorios today on Relevant Tones, talking about this very interesting form, this idea of an unstaged opera that still, I think, has all of the dramatic intensity of an opera, even though the performers are not costumed, nor are they acting out the story. Again, this was first performed in the Lent season, so it often had very religious associations. But, of course, composers are going to be drawn to all different kinds of drama, so it wasn't too long before they started exploring other themes. I'm going to turn now to an oratorio that's entirely secular in nature. This is called The Origin by Richard Einhorn. It's inspired by the life of English naturalist Charles Darwin. Can't play the whole thing, of course. The oratorio is a a large-scale form, but we are going to play three of the movements, and we're going to play The Voyage of the Beagle, which I think perfectly captures what must have been the heady joy that Darwin was feeling as a young man on this trip that he already knew was a trip of a lifetime to visit the Galapagos Islands, which is probably very literally paradise for a naturalist. So many new species to discover, so many things to see and write about, and of course, a career to be made. I think that Einhorn captures this perfectly. There's an intrinsic silliness to this movement that I absolutely love. But then we're going to go to a very different side of both Einhorn and Darwin with Annie's memorial. These are the words of Darwin himself upon the death of his 10-year-old daughter. And then we're going to return to the Galapagos Islands for a taste for collecting beetles. Again, these are three movements from The Origin by Richard Einhorn. This is for solo female voices, no instruments, a cappella voices. We're going to hear the Balkan vocal ensemble Kitka performing. After having been twice driven back by heavy southwestern gales, Her Majesty's ship Beagle, a ten-gun brig, Under the command of Captain Fitzroy R.N., Sailed from Devonport on the 27th of December, 1831. <laughs> 
to die. Oh, mama, oh, mama, what would we what do? Would we oh, do? Mama, oh, mama, what would we what do? Would we oh, do? Mama, oh, mama, what would we what do, would we do if, you if you were to die? To in the last short illness, so exhausted, she could hardly speak. When I gave her some water, she said, I quite thank you. One day I saw two rare beetles and seized one in each hand. Then I saw a third and new kind, which I could not bear to lose. A taste for collecting beetles, a taste for collecting beetles, is some indication of future success in life. So I popped the one I held in my right hand into my mouth. Ew. Alas, it ejected some intensely accurate fluid, oh. which burned my tongue. Burnt my tongue. A taste for collecting beetles, a taste for collecting beetles is some indication of future success in life. I was forced to spit the beetle out, which was lost, which was lost, which was lost. I was forced to spit the beetle out, which was lost, which was lost, which was lost. <sighs> a taste for collecting beetles, a taste for collecting beetles, it is some indication of future success in life. I went out collecting with Albert Way of Trinity.
Trinity, also with H. Thompson, Member of Parliament. A taste for collecting beetles, a taste for collecting beetles, is some indication of a future success in life. about you, but I wasn't actually aware that Darwin ate the beetles that he studied, but apparently, perhaps, at least according to Richard Einhorn, he did three movements from a modern oratorio called The Origin by Richard Einhorn. We heard the voyage of the beagle. I love those animal sounds in the background. I really do think that perfectly captures the excitement that Darwin must have been feeling. And then a much more somber Annie's memorial upon the death of the naturalist's daughter at only the age of 10, and then back to the sublimely silly A Taste for Collecting Beetles. Wonderful example of a secular oratorio, The Origin by Richard Einhorn. I'm going to turn to a piece now called Curie. This is by composer Phil Klein from a larger scale work called John the Revelator. That's referring to John, who supposedly wrote the book of Revelation. The title, John the Revelator, is a reference to a very famous gospel song by the same name. So there's a lot going on in this piece. It's structured after the traditional mass form. In fact, you may recognize the title Kyrie as being part of Kyrie eleison, or Lord have mercy. So this is not exactly an oratorio, but it is a very interesting sacred setting by a modern composer. And I thought the Kyrie was particularly lovely, so I wanted to include it in the show. Let's have a listen. This is music of Phil Klein from John the Revelator. Curier, performed by Lionheart Vocal Ensemble.
It's an interesting setting of the traditional Kyrie from the Mass. We're hearing only the words Kyrie eleison in this setting. Lord have mercy. It's by Phil Klein from his piece, John the Revelator. I thought it was a very beautiful example of a modern-day setting of this sacred text. It's Lionheart Vocal Ensemble performing. We have just a little bit of time left in the program, so I want to play an excerpt of one of my favorite modern oratorios. This is The Whale by John Tavner. This is inspired kind of loosely by the story of the prophet Jonah being devoured by the whale. He was inside the whale for three days. This piece also has an interesting life story because once it was performed in the 1960s, it was heard by none other than the Beatles, and they fell in love with it and released it on their Apple records. Let's have a listen to an excerpt of The Whale by John Tavener. We're going to hear the London Sinfonietta, London Sinfonietta Chorus, David Atherton conducting, and our soloists are Raymond Herrings, bass, Anna Reynolds, alto, and Albar Liddell, spoken vocals.
That's an excerpt of The Whale by John Tavner. Great example of a modern-day oratorio. I think it still sounds somewhat, not shocking per se, but provocative, even now, even though it was written back in the 60s. Again, music that captured the attention of the Beatles, and it was issued on the Apple label. So that's the version that we just heard. That was the London Sinfonietta, London Sinfonietta Chorus, conducted by David Atherton. The soloists were Raymond Herrings, bass, Anna Reynolds, alto, with spoken vocals by Albar Liddell. Well, it's a small sample of oratorios, modern-day oratorios, what composers are doing with this very interesting form. To me, it's just so fascinating, this idea of having all of this dramatic intensity like an opera, but without any of the staging, without the costumes. The performers have to convey all of this in a concert setting while they're seated or standing. And while I was doing research for this program, I found so many other oratorios that were secular in nature. So this is definitely a theme that I'll be returning to in the future, the modern-day oratorio. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders, with special thanks to Rory Hartong-Redden. You can find us as a podcast on iTunes, and for more information about the program and the artists we've featured, and for streaming versions of all previous episodes, you can visit us at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is made possible in part by the generous support of GCM Grubner, the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, the Amphion Foundation, and the listener supporters of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts, Art Works. I'm Seth Bosted, and this is the WFMT Radio Network. <laughs>